You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show. And today I sit down with Mike Fallett. Mike is the owner of a company that has created a very unique marketing strategy that helps businesses and entrepreneurs open doors, get noticed, get more leads, ultimately close more business. And uh, I was introduced to Mike and I said, you know, man, I got to better understand what you're up to and how it works and um, a little bit of your backstory. And so he agreed to jump on the podcast here with me. And so if you're a business owner or frankly, somebody that's just looking to add more credibility to what you're doing, um, this could even work for people who are you know, creating a side hustle or perhaps you are currently unemployed and you're looking to get back uh, into the game. Um, Mike's strategy is very, very powerful and uh, I kind of grill him on it. And um, so take a listen. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear back from you. Uh, we are now on iTunes. I would love if anybody who's listening would um, leave a comment and uh, a review on iTunes. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, and with that, let's dive into the call. Here I am with Mike Fallett. All right. Mike Fallon, how are you doing, brother? Doing well, man. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to dive into this call a little bit and get uh, just extract some of the brilliance in your head. We we chatted the other day about what you do and how you do it, and within I don't know ten minutes, you were already like you'd given me some clarity on some things that I had been struggling through for quite a while. So I'm psyched to uh, to get the conversation going. But first, before we get into any of that, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, why you do it? And uh, what's your favorite toothpaste? <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, to answer that last question, I just started doing this charcoal stuff, the black oh, toothpaste. I was uh, waiting for that till the end. I was going to have this really big uh, – oh, I'm just kidding. Are you, are you really using uh, charcoal? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying it out because I'm all about this whole white teeth thing. You know, I'm on video now a lot and a lot of pictures. I'm like, man, my teeth could be whiter, so I got to try new stuff. Nice. So anyway, to answer the first question, um, I own a company called Dream Starters Publishing. We write books for people in a very short amount of time. And how we do that is based off of an interview process. Entrepreneurs have a lot of lessons and stories to share. However, they're so busy building their business, you know, networking. How do they have the time to set aside for writing a book when they don't do that? So I have a team of ghostwriters. I bring their story to life via the, uh, the ghostwriting process. They have a book out there. And I know that your listeners can't see this, but just a quick 120-page, 20,000-word book that teaches stuff about their life to get others to know about their expertise, their background, and how they can help them. And that book itself is going to help them expand their business in ways that I couldn't believe in the very beginning. I mean, it has changed my life. It's changed my clients' lives. So the power of a book is real. And if we can do that in 30 days, then uh, then then it's all worth it for us. So that's what we get to see every day. That's how I, What's that? I said that's phenomenal. For those who don't know what ghostwriting is, can you explain that? Yeah, ghostwriting. So if you ever hear of books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know that book, right? Mm -hmm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I was given uh, that book probably when I was 21 years old. And that's whenever my life changed. Like, I read that. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to break here. away this employee mindset, get into the other quadrant. Yeah. <laughs> and so I found out that book is ghostwritten. Okay? Ghostwriting means somebody else writes it, but it's through the stories and lessons of the actual author. I mean, there's author and there's a ghostwriter. So Robert Kiyosaki is the real person who's teaching all this stuff, but Sharon Lecter is the ghostwriter. Have you ever heard of a book called Art of the Deal? Sure. So obviously Donald Trump, why in the hell would a billionaire sit down and write a book and spend weeks, months, years writing a book whenever he can spend his mind 
or put put his mind to work, put his time into something that makes him a lot more money than a book. So you hire someone who's really good at what they do. It's almost outsourcing something that's a weakness of yours and finding a strength of someone else's. And so, you know, when you build a website, do you really want to spend the time building your website or do you have someone who's a professional? It's the same thing with a book. Somebody else brings it to life and then you go through and you tweak it to really make it yours. Yeah. Um, you know, when you explain that to me, or actually before you really explain that to me, I was under the impression that a ghostwriter did most of the work, which maybe in some cases they do, but at least through the process that you shared with me, it really is what 80, 85% of the author, they're, they're coming up with the outline, they're coming up with the lessons, they're coming up with their own uh, anecdotal stories or other evidence to, to support those things, right? I mean, what's, what's sort yes. of the ratio of, of uh, author to ghostwriting uh, work, if you will? Yeah, so the ghostwriter does all the heavy work, all right? So it's all about the, the content, taking it from your mind, from your words, from interviews. I mean, we started off this process with just watching YouTube videos of people. I mean, Gary Vee has ghostwriters for his, all of his books, okay? So the ghostwriter will listen to his interviews, watch his videos, uh, you know, interview them, and then pull it out of them, put it on a piece of paper, and then show it to them. So it's the exact same thing. All the heavy lifting is done by the ghostwriter. Now, I set it up so I'm the interviewer, all right? Now, I'm the one that's going to be asking questions. I used to do all the writing. I don't do all the writing anymore. Wow. I do the interviewing. I pull all the content out through a conversation just like this. And then it's recorded and sent to my writer. And I say to the writer, who all she does, most likely it's a military spouse. I mean, 95% of my team is military spouse women who write, and they're great at it. So there's that. Um, all they do is they listen and watch the interview and then they bring it to life on a piece of paper. And then I give some guidance on what to do here, put this here, add this here, and then we give it back to you, the actual author of the book. Once you go through it, you're like, you know what? I don't go and I don't say I, I go to the top of the mountain. I say I go to the peak of the mountain. Oh, let me change that word. Okay, uh, you know what? I want this, this story about my dad teaching me this lesson. I actually would like to put a little bit more information about that. Okay, let me put that in there. So it's really like, it's like a painting. We give you a painting that's 80, 90% done, and then you put the final strokes on it. Got it. But the, the author itself is the one that's, that's providing the concepts, the principles, the lessons learned, right? Bingo, bingo. Yes. Everything that you say, did, talk about, you know, it's important to you, people that are mentors of you, nothing's made up. It's everything is directly from your, from your mouth so, or, or from your mind. Um, what's really fascinating uh, when you explained that to me the first time that we spoke before this call, uh, and you told me that it was military spouses, pr primarily women, I'm assuming, right? That's exactly, exactly yeah. right. I have, I have my, uh, my guesses as to why they would make good writers. Why, why is that a, a niche of yours that you've sourced to write these stories? Well, I stumbled across this industry where these military spouse women who can't get jobs, I mean, they travel constantly, mm -hmm. right? So it's difficult for them to keep jobs. People will not even hire them. I mean, there's organizations out there that basically say, hey, we'll try to find you jobs because it's so difficult. And I mean, I didn't start this way, but I came across this group of people who all they do is they write and they can't get, you know, steady writing jobs for newspapers or anything. And all of a sudden, you know, I came across this organization. I said, listen, I have a lot of books that need written, you know, show me what you have done and let me see, you know, if you can help us out and we can help you out. So I came across and not all of them are military spouse women, but that's a big pool of them. Hmm. So that's the difficulty for them. It's a perfect setup for them. It's a perfect setup for us. 
my writers are all over the United States. All of our writers are in the United States of America. So it's not like we're going overseas and all that. It's all in the U.S. And that, that way, when I'm interviewing people, I kind of know based off of how someone writes who I'm going to be sending this to. So I'll be talking to you and be like, oh, this is perfect for Michelle. Michelle, this is a perfect setup. So I'm mm -hmm. going to give this book to Michelle. So during the interview, I'll actually be talking to Michelle. Be like, Michelle, what he just said, pull this. Let's bring this to life. Let's talk oh, about wow. this and let's, let's do this. So Just because of the different personality uh, synchronicities yeah, or whatever? How, how they work, you know, what they think, how, what they're really into. I mean, there's different ways. Like I, I get to know them. So I'm like, I know this is really interesting to them. I mean, we just did a, we're doing a book. We're doing a book for one of the leading uh, medical marijuana doctors in New York City, yeah. okay? actually in the, on the East Coast, Dr. Tommy O'Brien. And I know for a fact, based off of someone else's background of like what's really important to them, so they know a lot about this stuff already, I'll be like, okay, Elisa, Elisa, um, talk about this, let's bring this to life. Also, do a little bit of research on this stat that he just mentioned. You know, That's so fascinating. How many writers do you have? So it's, it's five main ones right now. Every once in a while I have to outsource and do other stuff and involve other editors, but five main writers. Wow. That's cool. And then uh, how many books are you doing at any one time? We're doing three books a week now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing. I mean, book writing is not hard once the content's there. So like if it's like a, like a guide rail, right? If we keep people on this guide rail. All right. And you just say what's important. I mean, it should be the stuff at the top of your mind. I'll ask questions. I'll be like, Hey, is there a, is there a moment in your life that changed you and it stayed with you forever? And if it's at the top of their mind, that's something that's, that will come out during an interview or on stage. That's important to put in a book. If you have to do a lot of soul searching, that's what I don't want in a book because they'll never hear it again. And mm -hmm. I want it to be like, Hey, I heard that on stage. I read it in the book and vice versa. That's smart. Yeah. That's really smart. Um, do you find that it's, for, for a skeptic to say, hey, this is, this is a cheap way to, to, to write a book. I, I only, you know, that there's authenticity in somebody sitting down and laboring through that entire process. How, how would you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I used to think in the beginning. And I used to think that uh, book sales were the way to make money. It's, the, it's all this reverse psychology, like all this stuff I used to think, it's, it's not the way it is. I mean, the big names, if you look at all the big names, they're putting out content. Do they really do their own content? Are, you, are they taking their own pictures? No, they have a team, okay? So the web developers, you know, they're hiring a team. Um, you know, whether it's a, people who are doing SEO, people are not writing their own SEO art articles anymore. They're finding professionals. I mean, as an entrepreneur, your goal should always be find someone who's better at doing something than you are to get to where you wanna go. So if you get into that mentality, you realize the power of, okay, I got to hire a professional for this, this, and this. And so a ghostwriter to me is like the ultimate, you know, time saver, energy saver, and money saver. Right. I mean, if you get a book done and, and our cost is 7,500 bucks. Okay. And I know real estate agents who have been laboring for two years before they meet with me and they spend hours and hours and hours writing a book and it doesn't ever get finished. Now, is that time worth, is it worth it to them to sit down whenever they just burnt years maybe up of their life or burn up maybe 30 days or four hours of their time. Now they can use their story, their lessons, the, the end all be all. What they're trying to do is just get their message heard, right? Yep. So if you can just get that out there, you can get a return on your investment. The faster you can get that out there, the faster you can make money, the faster you can get your name bigger. It's all that. And so I tell people all the time, if you are thinking that it's the cheap way to go, you're your thinking is too limited. It's too low. And yeah. I can guarantee that they're 
you know, that's struggling in their day-to-day life. So they always want to make, take it the harder way. I used to too. It's not the way it is in business. It's yeah. Not- you know, I've, I, the, the light switches turned on for me too recently where I think it was just always been my nature to, to a, want to do it myself, B feel like I have insight that I don't, I don't necessarily know how to extrapolate it out to, to have somebody to do it for me anyway. Um, but I do think that there's an egoic side of things that's like, I want to have the significance of writing this thing and getting it out there. And when you really shift to what's the whole purpose of the thing anyway, right? <laughs> that's it. That's it's, the purpose. To, it's to get a, it's to get a result. It's to, it's to have somebody better understand so that you can do what you do even better and, and serve them even better. And, you know, it's, it's the result that ultimately matters and not whether or not you literally sat down and, and sweat it all over, you know, 60,000 words or whatever it is. It, so. it's, and that's, it's a pride thing. That's, there's no doubt about it. You know, I know men who want to build their own house. Okay. But it takes them five, seven, 10 years, right? right? They lost time. There are people who you can go to and say, I want to buy a house, you know, and it's just done right away. So it's a pride thing. If you can get over that pride thing, you can, you can accomplish a lot more. I used to always want to do my own videos. Okay. Right. That's insane. All right. You can, I can go on Fiverr and get someone to edit my videos in a day for $20. And it used to take me two and a half hours. Now, two and a half hours to me now, it's worth a hell of a lot more than 20 bucks. Right. <laughs> so there's that. It's quantity. Funny. Sorry, go ahead. Quantity yields quality. So if you can always just keep putting out stuff, you'll get better and faster and you find the right people along the way. It's funny that you mentioned that some guys want to build their, their own house because actually one of my next podcast uh, interviews is with a guy that literally built not just a house but a freaking castle. And it's, <laughs> it took him, uh, uh, took him a few years, which quite honestly, if you saw this thing, you'd be like, I'm sure it took 20 years. He did knock it out in about two and a half years, which is amazing. Wow. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it's impressive. There's no doubt about it. I, <laughs> it. There's a pride thing. I know that. My dad was just this blue collar, works on cars. I swear to God, he'd rather buy a shitty car and keep it alive. And he takes a lot of pride in that. Yeah. Right? Me, I want to buy a Jeep and I want to travel across country and I don't right. have to worry about anything. If it breaks down, I'm going to get someone to fix it. I'm going to go and get another one. You know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I think you say. Buy a new Jeep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a matter of leverage, right? And especially as entrepreneurs, uh, the time leverage that you're talking about. I mean, some people might hear the price tag and go, you know, 7,500 bucks. But like you said, how many people are, are, are spending years trying to write that book? And so let's dive into that piece. What does that book give you for 7,500 bucks, which again, may seem like a little bit of stretch for some people, for other people. I look at that and I go, that's, that's a steal for the amount of value that you're going to be able to get and for the amount of opportunity and doors that you're going to open by having it. So let's dive into that side of it. Give me some examples of clients that you've had that have used uh, your products, your books to open the doors, what type of success and, and uh, notoriety have they gotten to expand and grow their business? Yeah, so t- to answer that first part there, uh, if you look at ghostwriters, I mean, it's a, it's a, there's a market out there. There's a lot of ghostwriters, okay? And all they do is they work on maybe two books a year and they probably charge twenty five dollars to $45,000 on average. Yeah. I just got off the phone with a guy, I think it was two days ago, and I might even mention it to you. He had a ghostwriter do his book between for between sixty and eighty thousand dollars, it took a year. All right, yep. that is insane. That is in absolutely insane. So, I would not put that much money into a book. But the people I work with, I'll give you a couple examples. There's a guy named Ben Rife. He owns a phone company called uh, Bullfrog Networks. So he goes and meets with people. He has a, he, we we help them write a book called Hyper Grow Your Business. You can look us up on Amazon. Now he goes and meets with clients, and clients are buying you know hundreds of phone lines from him. So one client's maybe worth $25,000. Hmm. If he goes into that meeting and meets with these top guys 
and drops off a book and says, listen, you know what? I wrote a book. It's about hyper grow your business, how to use your phone to, you know, phone systems, how to get really smart about things. Check it out. And if you read it, great. If not, no worries. That person also has, or that company has another person come in, do the exact same thing, but they didn't deliver a book. In your mind as the CEO, are you going to hire the person who wrote the book on growing your business with phone systems or some other guy? So it's a psychological approach. So that one client that he spent maybe 7,500 bucks on for the book, got him $25,000, but now it's an asset. So now you can use this over and over and over and over constantly. So there's those people. The next part is real estate agents. We had a team called uh, agent mastermind. They did a book, bunch of real estate agents got together, wrote a book. So now if you look up the statistics, if you're trying to get a speaking gig, you're going to get paid more as an author, but even more as a best-selling author. And I'll explain the best-seller part in a bit. It's sort of a, uh, a marketing tool, marketing hack also. But anyway, these real estate agents now have books that they can give to clients or their team. So if you're going to join an organization, you're going to go and work with the person who wrote the book on growing a team or someone else. And that's, that's why you can use it in ways to get speaking gigs. You can generate tons of leads. On social media in my very beginning stages, here's my second book. I know your listeners can't see it, but this is my second book, Attractive Story Selling. My first book is called Dream Starter. I just gave it away online, all that. It's generated so many leads that eventually they said, listen, I read your book. I saw you loved Ozzy Osbourne in the book. Man, I love Ozzy Osbourne. Holy smokes. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about stuff that's really important to me. You know, Young Guns, Little Goonies, things that are really uh, instrumental. Oh, you are door-to-door uh, marketer. Oh my God, I was a door-to-door marketer. Let me do business with you. So eventually they became my clients and that's the magic of it is mm-hmm. using it as a lead generator, as a credibility builder to get speaking gigs, to build up your, your base. So whenever someone does say, Hey, my problem is big enough. I need someone to solve it. The person who wrote the book on it, I'm willing to give them a shot. And then yeah. the fact of, I know what they went through along the way, if they did read the book. Right. Uh, do you know who Robert Cialdini is influence the book called influence? No, actually. Uh, it's, it's a brilliant book. You got to check it out. Um, it talks about the six principles of influence. Um, and one of them is, uh, reciprocity. People have a much greater tendency to take action, uh, on your behalf. If you give them something free of value up front, number one, another one of the laws of, uh, influence is authority and likability. And if you have a book, like you said, apples to apples, you walk into a place, you drop a book down, massive authority out of the gate, <laughs> right there. credibility, yeah. right? Um, so what kind of, you used an interesting example with a phone company. Are there companies that, that wouldn't be able to use a book? I mean, what, what type of verticals have you used this strategy? My God, it's for anything. And the more general, the better. So motivational speakers, Nick Sansonastasso, Google this guy. Okay, no legs. I uh, was born with actually two half arms. He cut one of them off because it was causing a lot of pain. So this guy, motivational speaker, basically has about a half of an arm. And oh, is this uh, is this the chicken wing guy? No, I don't, I don't think so. Nick, what did you say his name was? Nick Santanastasso. Oh, Santanastasso. Okay, there's another Nick uh, quadriplegic that's an incredible motivational speaker. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Anyway, this, this, this dude, Nick Santanastasso, I worked with him and bring his story to life. His, his book's called Victim to Victor, okay? I mean, the shit that he went through, I couldn't even imagine. But what he's able to teach people now, I mean, he's, he's surrounded by the biggest names. Uh, Brad Lee, uh, you know, uh, Ed Milet wrote his foreword. You know who Ed Milet is? Uh, I've heard the name, but I don't know. I don't remember what the 
WFG uh, World Financial Group. He does. Okay. He's, with, he's with Cardone and a lot. So anyway, uh, these people are motivational speakers, financial analysts, uh, real estate people. Uh, it could be someone who went through an unbelievable divorce and what they learn and they're trying to get their story out there so they can help other women's groups. It could be anything. Now, mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now, it's therapeutic to get your story out there. 85% of all the people on the planet have always said, I want to write a book at one point or another. Less than 5% ever do finish that whole thing. It's a, it's an incredible legacy piece. I mean, it's, it's something that God forbid something happens to you. It's a, it's, it's a really nice leave behind. If you, if you go to the next uh, plane of existence, you know what I mean? Like to pour your knowledge, w w the lessons that you've learned for your children, if nothing else for your children, your family, whatever, but uh, certainly as a marketing piece, I mean, it's, it's, it's the modern day uh, uh, business card. It's, it's like exactly what it is. Card. And yeah. you, you nail it though. Imagine your kids, your grandkids reading it. That's another reason why people read it. Like, listen, I want to give this to my kids, my grandkids and you know, their kids. Like this is going to be around forever. That's the, that's so beautiful to be able to build something that lasts. All right. So mm -hmm. internet, all that's going to change. Amazon, if that's still up, there's going to be books yeah. right? and they'll be able to buy your book forever. Um, that's so cool. Um, how did you get into all of this? What's your, what's your background? Holy smokes. Uh, how many hours <laughs> we have for this? <laughs> People think I'm this like, you know, guy who loves books from the very beginning. I mean, it couldn't be further from the truth. Like this is, I fell into this. I'm a marketer. All right. I'm a business guy. So yeah. I realized the power of it and that's how it all came to be. But I started off, I was 16 years old, I'm working at a gas station. Uh, it's my first job driving a Honda Civic that didn't didn't start at when it was sunny out. Think about that. I had a car. I could only drive at night because there was a main fuel relay and all this stuff. But I couldn't drive it. <laughs> Wait, how, why the it start, Why why didn't it start in the day? I'm not a car like I don't know the mechanics. So there was a thing underneath the dashboard called a main fuel relay, and when it got hot, when the sun was beating down on the car, yeah, the the, the connections were not made. And so the, if the connections were not made in this, it means you couldn't see with the eye. It's microscopic. Nocturnal vehicle. That's hilarious. So I call it the Night Rider. But anyway, the, uh, <laughs> you know, what's funny is the first car I had in high school was a gorgeous Toyota Corolla and it wouldn't turn off. I'd, I'd, pull, <laughs> oh I'd, pull, into, I'd pull into the parking spot at school late, you know, because I always rolling in at the last, you know, 30 seconds, take the key out. I start running in and, and I always, you know, inevitably hear somebody dude, your car's still on. I'm like, it'll turn off on its own. I got to go to class. <laughs> you still have the keys in hand. I've got the keys in hand. The car's still sitting there kind of rumbling. Uh, 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 it would still. Oh my God. Yeah, that's great. It was, uh, it was a chick magnet though. That's <laughs> yeah. Toyota's everywhere to go, man. I mean, mine, mine had a, running. That's can, can I tell you a story completely off subject here? Of course. That, those are my favorite. All right. So I dated this really pretty girl. I'm this nobody. I can't believe she said yes. Holy smokes. Her name was Rachel. Uh, Rachel, gorgeous girl, like cheerleading, like like muscular girl. Oh my god! Anyway, I pick her up in my Honda Civic, nineteen eighty eight Honda Civic. I have this uh, in the evening, obviously. Oh, in the evening. Well, I got it fixed. I, my, we were able to figure okay. it out. And so I pick her up, and underneath the passenger side, there's a hole in the floor. All right, but you can't see that. So there's that, and then at the very top of the roof, there's a leak. So it snowed right around then. So, oh my God, it was, it was pouring down the night before. I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to pick her up when it's leaking on her? <laughs> anyway, I got it to stop. I'm putting stuff on there. I wiped it down and go pick her up. The floor is soaking wet. I mean, it is, there's the hole and there's also the leak. So it is soaking wet. 
<laughs> she gets into the car, all right? She puts her purse on the floor. <laughs> she puts her purse on the floor, and I drive her around, and we go to dinner, something like that. Nothing didn't work out, yeah, all this stuff. Anyway, I take her back at the end of the night, and she gets up to take her purse off the floor, and it is dripping wet. <laughs> <laughs> dripping wet all right and so oh, she goes she goes why is this so wet i'm like oh you didn't beat your snow off your feet oh man what uh i'm gonna have to drop you <laughs> who doesn't wipe their feet off before they get in this like i made it look like it was her fault i'm like oh man that's brilliant why didn't, you, why didn't you knock the snow off your feet? <laughs> uh, so yeah maybe that's why i didn't get the call back uh <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm working at this gas station. I'm 16 years old, and the guy who owns it comes in one day. All right, so I'm this psychopath who's all obsessed with saving money. I worked there for I think like six months. I didn't I didn't cash one paycheck. All right, I'm so obsessed with saving money that there was five thousand dollars of paychecks, you know, stacked up that I didn't cash. Mm -hmm. The owner of the company comes down and goes, "Listen, are you you're Mike Fallot? Why are you not cashing paychecks?" <laughs> And I was like, listen, it's my savings account. You know, if I have it, I'm going to spend it. He goes, you mean to tell me you have $5,000 saved up? You haven't spent anything. And I was like, yeah. He goes, all right, you're a smart kid. I'm going to start to teach you some things. So he became my mentor. Uh -huh. And he's like, listen, you started getting into entrepreneurship. Here's what you do. Here's what you don't do, blah, blah, blah. So when I graduated from school. And the, whole, uh, this was in Philly, right? This is in Pittsburgh. Oh, in Pittsburgh, sorry. Yeah, so I got that. He gave, he's the one that gave me Rich Dad Poor Dad. All I be, I want to be an entrepreneur for years. Okay, so I graduated from school. I went to Duquesne University. He's the one that told me to go there, take on all this debt, get yourself a finance degree, all this stuff. Anyway, that was a bad move. I wish I would have taken like marketing or something because right. that's what I'm really good at. Anyway, I graduated from school. I become a landlord by rental property. I became my own real estate agent. I uh, do all this stuff. I start three three businesses. They all fail. My fourth business succeeds. It's called Doggy Surprise. Okay, I'm giving out toys and treats for your dog as like a surprise, like BarkBox. You ever heard of that? Yeah. So it's very similar to that. Anyway, that starts to make some money. However, now I'm in debt from all these failed businesses. So I have to take on all these other side jobs. And uh, I get into like marketing for other companies, but I'm still doing Doggy Surprise. I'm like, man, people are coming to me for advice on starting a business. Maybe I can help them out. Okay, let me start this consulting business on the side. Hmm. Doing really well, but still nobody's giving me speaking gigs. Nobody gives me any attention. And I'm thinking to myself, what's the hack? What can I do to get myself and elevate my brand? All right, I'll write a book. Write a book. All of a sudden, as soon as I put that out there, turn it into a bestseller, which I'll explain here later on. Now people are coming to me. Hey, can you come speak at my event? Can you do this? Can you do this? I'm like, this is it. The key is to have this book. What if I can help other people who are struggling as an entrepreneur? write their books and all they got to do is just, you know, feed me the information. I'll do it for them. So I, I started turning it into a ghostwriting service and it was just me. I mean, I was doing it for 2,500 bucks. Come to me and I'll interview, I'll write the book. And the girl I was dating at the time was editing the book and uh, doing it for very, very low cost. All of a sudden now I had this business up and running. I'm thinking to myself, there's a huge demand for this. Let's, let's expand this. Let's find some people. And it just kind of exploded in the past year and a half, two years.
That's killer. Um, I've seen your book. Obviously, many people are going to be listening to this. I am going to start getting these up on YouTube so they can see it. But for those that are just listening, you've showed the cover of your books a few times. Those are very professionally designed. So you have professional designers on staff too to, to, to do that kind of stuff? Yeah. So there's, um, I'm, I'm, I, I talk about quantity yields quality all the time. That's like one of my big philosophies, you know, that and be valuable, valuable people. If you do those two things, man, good shit happens. So Qu- wait, quality yields quantity, right? Yeah. Or quantity yields quality. In what, in what way? So, you know, the more minds you have on something, great stuff. The more videos you put out there, you'll get better. The more books you write, the better you get. The more God, so creating a bigger content footprint, so to speak. Oh, just keep putting content. It's not perfect. Get it done. Move on to the next one. Don't worry. The people I see in the very beginning who worry about little stupid shit, like, uh, I like a size 14 subtitle on, not on the cover. Don't do size 13. You know, like these little details are the ones who are going to struggle in the very end. I mean, I see this from the very beginning. Those people who are like, yep, good enough is what's going to get me to my next level. That's yeah. good. That's really good. And you could always be better. I mean, you could read that next book, this book, two years from now. Shit, this one word. I could have used a better word for this. You could yeah. always make it better. See, that's such, a, that's such a good life lesson because I know some people are listening to this. And even part of me, I'm sitting there thinking like, yes, content footprint, the bigger, the better. I get it. But at the same time, you don't want to put quality crap. I mean, crap, uh, crap content out there. Cause then you're <laughs> expanding a, a content footprint. That's, that's crap. And, and you're magnifying that. So obviously there's somewhat of a balance. You're wanting to put something that's quality out there. Um, I yes. have, a, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that to a certain point. There was a, uh, there's a, a mentor friend of mine had him on the podcast earlier, Brian Ward, who had a brilliant concept where he said that most people, if I'm going to get this right, most people, um, make the quality determine the deadline as opposed mm. to letting the deadline determining the quality. Mm. In other words, you put the, you put your, you know, flag in the state. You know, what's, what's what I'm looking for. You, you plant your flag on the, on your due date. This is when I'm going to get it done. And you bust your ass and you get as, you do it as best as you can up until that due date. And there that is, that determines the quality that concept uh, again, that's Brian Ward's brilliant idea, and it's shifted the way I think about getting stuff done and getting it up and out there. Seth Godin's a really big advocate of that too. Push, uh, push the the publish button, right? Get it yeah. out, get it out. There's so much good stuff that is in your head that needs to get out. I mean, you'll look at Stephen King. You you read some of the stuff that he he puts out. There's brilliant stuff. You ask him about like his first books. He still does revisions to certain books because you can always make it better, always. Mm-hmm. But if you would never put it out there in the beginning it's not going to get done. Done is better than perfect. And that's well, what's going to get you out there. And the evolution, this is one thing I've learned in, in my podcast. Like for the longest time, I didn't, I didn't do a podcast. People kept saying to me, oh, you ask really good questions. And you know, oh, it's an interesting insight. You should have a podcast. And I was always like, eh, I don't, what is the brand? What is, I don't know what my voice is, whatever. I still don't know what the brand is. I still don't know what my voice is, but I'm, you know, 40 episodes deep in it now and I can feel the progress. I can feel the clarity coming. There's no way I could have figured it out twiddling my thumbs in a vacuum. Like it has to be done in an evolution in practice out into the world. So glad you said that. Yeah. The, I mean, think about whenever you first started Instagram. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty active in Instagram. That's where I get most of my leads turns into Facebook, but nice. my original plan of doing Instagram. I didn't know what I was doing, but that practice over and over getting in the habit of constant, just put stuff out there. You start to see what works and what doesn't work. 
Yeah. Now, am I ashamed of that stuff? Hell no. I want a footprint of showing the progress. I want to look back and say, my God, look where I started and look where I'm at now. My tagline mm -hmm. started from zero is all about seeing how far you've come. So yeah, appreciate where you started. And it's kind of like, even if it's shit, yeah. show it off to people in the very end and say, listen, this is the real deal. Like Ty Lopez, I don't know if you love him or whatever. The story doesn't make any sense to me. All right. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it, because you can't see in the very beginning. I want to see the progress. Yeah. Cardone, you can see the progress. Oh, and I remember, I remember seeing an interview between the two. And Cardone always said to to Ty, he goes, "Do you believe in quantity or quality?" And Ty Lopez said, "Quality for sure." All right. Now, yeah. you as a person starting out, do you have a hundred thousand dollars to have a video team follow you around? No. Do you have all the resources, connections? Do you have multi millions of dollars to show off this lifestyle? No. So you can't beat them on quality, but you can beat them on quantity. And mm -hmm. then eventually you can get there. And Cardone mm -hmm. said the opposite. He goes, no, no, no. Would you rather have one video or a thousand videos? Mm -hmm. And a thousand videos will always win. And you can control quantity. You can't control quality at a certain point. So starting out, entrepreneurs, always just keep fighting, putting stuff out there. And then eventually, like you said, you just start to find your rhythm, find who you really are, find your brand. It reminds me of uh, when I first got started in SEO many years ago and everybody was vying for the big uh, high volume keywords, you know, the two to three key phrases and everybody's pouring all this money to try to get the top traffic for, you know, uh, plastic surgery Los Angeles, oh right? God. Like yeah. if you could, if you could get that number one ranking, oh my gosh, right? But there were people that were quietly just raking it in because they went after the long tail that nobody was going after. They were much lower volume, uh, but they got 80%. Literally, if you looked at the graphs, long tail got 80% of the overall traffic for, for a concept. So it would have been, you know, liposuction, Los Angeles, uh, female doctor or something like that. That would have been the search term. Right? And, and that got that plus all the other long tail keywords got so much more traffic than those top views. So it, it kind of reminds me of that, that quality, uh, I mean, the quantity uh, does usurp the, the quality in that respect. So it's in, there's, a, there's a program out there, long tail pro. You ever hear that? Uh, uh, software program? Yeah. I've, it's an SEO thing. Yeah. Oh man. We used to use that years ago, but it's phenomenal. Just like you said, you, you go for that. You, yeah. you know, you could spot demand where nobody else could see it. Right. Um, but back to the designers to answer your question. I think I kind of went around that a little bit, but uh, yeah, we have many different designers on many different platforms. I mean, they're everywhere. So I never rely on one. Like we have two in-house designers, only two for final changes. But what I realized then early on is if you have one designer or two designers, their mind is pretty much in love with certain setups, certain colors, certain patterns, certain looks. But what your goal should be is to have many different designers with many different pieces of input. So they show many different views for the actual author. And so the author could look at that and say, I like this one. I like this one. Nope. Don't like this one. I don't like this one. So you're probably, you know, extending tons of them, but you'll find two out of 20 or 30 that just you fall in love with. Oh, and then you, cool. and you tweak it from there. That makes sense. What uh, advice do you have on uh, naming a book? What, what are some uh, formulas for, make, for, for coming up with a really powerful uh, name for your book? Uh, fewer words are, is always better. So three words. I love three words. You saw um, my book's called Attractive Story Selling. Okay. Three words. There's something to that. Mm -hmm. So when you name your book, Number one, the way we name the books that we work with, we, we do the interview process first. If you have a tentative sales or a title going into it, we may change it. We may keep it the same. 
But that title, some people come to me and they have these awful titles. It might make sense to them, but remember, the title of your book should be synonymous with the brand, all right? So give you an example. We worked with a guy named Brian Nunez, big fitness guy on the West Coast, works with big names like Ryan Nyquist, the founder of Guitar Hero, really big, like, you know, fitness people. So this guy comes to me and he says, I have a book called Elevate to Great that I want to bring out there. I'm like, okay, Elevate to Great. If somebody heard that title, does it make you look good? Yes. Okay. So that's one. Elevate to great three words makes him look good. And it has something to do with his brand where it's all about elevating your lifestyle along with your body so you can live the life of your dreams. So that's the thing. It's like the title of the book should be synonymous with your brand and vice versa. So if you are putting something out there, if they just heard it, they would say, Oh, Peter, Peter King, he's the uh, elevate to great guy. Oh my God. He wrote a book on elevate to great. He has something to do with finding greatness, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like that connection. Your mind is lazy and the human mind is lazy. So if you can make it easy for someone to connect the dots between a, a phrase or some word with what you want to be known as or how you solve people's problems, now you're onto something. And the fewer the words, the better. And then if, going back to the cover, yeah. colors, less colors always is better. Sorry. Less colors. Uh, what about subheads? Uh, it should be a how-to or a guidebook. The, the, the subtitle should be so simple and it should be just as clear as day. People try to be too creative with the title and the subtitle. Creativity, and you look at Steve Jobs, I mean, that's obviously, everybody talks about Steve Jobs, but one of the pieces of his magic is simplicity. And so if you keep things simple, people don't have to think as hard. And then the simplicity is what makes it creative. So if it's how to do this, so there's no thinking. I get it. I see the value of this book. So elevate's great. How to elevate your lifestyle and live the life of your dreams. I don't know if that's exactly what it was, but this is like last year. So that right there, oh, elevate your lifestyle, gotcha. I'm going to read this a little bit. Okay, get to learn a little bit about what he does, what he has to offer. This book, I know the value this book offers. So the subtitle should be so clear, punched to the face, that you don't have to do anything and you know exactly what it's about. Yeah, I would think that the ambiguity would uh... – would not serve you. I mean, in such a noisy environment, you want to cut through the noise with uh, ultra clarity and boldness. And real quick on that. So like if you're a real estate agent, you're trying to grow your team, how to grow your real estate team in 30 days. Like that sounds generic to the average person, right? But you don't have to think, okay, so this book's going to teach me how to grow my team. I'll give it a shot. That's all you want. And now you can give this book out on social media. Hey, it looks like you're in real estate. By the way, if you want to join my team, I'm doing a webinar. Oh yeah. My webinar is a couple weeks away. I'll give you a free book. Um, It's called how to, you know, grow your real estate team in 30 days. Check it out. And so it's that give before ask, like you said, it's the Gary Vee approach, you know, give, give, give before you ask for anything. Yep. So if you give anything before you ask for anything, there's a higher likelihood that they'll, they're willing to invest time and money into you down the road. Right. Very simple with that subtitle. They don't have to do any thinking and they, they correlate that as, oh, this person gave me value before anything else. Um, I want to make it very clear that we are talking specifically about self-help books, right? Or, no, I'm sorry, non-fiction books. Non-fiction. Non-fiction, right? So if anybody's listening to, and you've gotten this far and you're like, oh, I have this uh, mystery novel I want to write. This is, this is not what you do. This is strictly marketing, a marketing tool for entrepreneurs, business owners, somebody that is looking to, to establish uh, more credibility, higher authority, uh, get more exposure, get more leads, have other doors open up specifically to drive their business. Right. And the reason why is because I, I'm a business guy. I only think of like, if you pay me money, 
there should be a return on investment. People come to me and say, I got this children's book. Well, listen, I have no idea how to sell children's books, all right? I don't even know how many people are buying it. There's people out there left and right, cookbooks, I have no idea. But it is a way to position you as an expert in your field. This book is gonna help you generate business, and that's the end goal. I, yeah, book sales, one thing, just forget about book sales. If you make book money off your book sales, great, phenomenal. Do not go into this thinking you're going to, though. That's you a great in, point. Yes. That's a great point. This is a, it's a loss leader. It's a loss leader. I mean, some people make money. I'm not saying it's impossible, but here's the thing. You're going to put this up on Amazon. Amazon's going to keep 50% on average, yeah. right? Taxes taken out of that. How much are you really, really going to make from a lot of book sales? Not, not much. And it's even the big names, even the big names still say they don't make a lot of money. Uh, well, a lot of people are using it now, like you look like a, a Russell Bronson or something like that and or Frank Kern. I mean, they're dropping the, they're quote unquote, giving the book away for free. You just pay for shipping and handling, which pays obviously the, the, the overhead for them to print it, whatever. So it's frankly no cost to them, but they're giving away massive value for very low cost uh, and, and establishing more and more credibility and goodwill in the marketplace, which is, it's a win-win. Yeah. Well, Russell Brunson has an unbelievable, I, I mean, ClickFunnels, great. I mean, I, I believe in it. I use certain parts of my business. He makes $35, right around 33 to $35 every time he gives away a free book. Well, how is that even possible? So he's not trying to sell it on Amazon. It might sell on Amazon, but every time he gives away a book, there's a chance of them joining ClickFunnels because right. in the book is really just a whole marketing trick. Like you read his stuff. It's all about, Oh, go here, do this, do this, this. Oh, it's ClickFunnels related. Okay. I'll a buy huge marketing. Yep. <laughs> well, I think even on the thank you page after you, you purchased the book, it, there, I mean, he's already uh, offering an upsell if I'm not mistaken. No, I'm sure he does. Well, you're in his funnel now. I mean, as soon as you buy that book, you're in this major funnel. Grant, Grant Cardone is the same thing. I mean, it's a smart move, but the thing is, is like you're, he's giving this away. He makes 35 bucks every time he does that. Just yeah. think about that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, you mentioned a little bit ago about Instagram. What, what are some of the things you learned about Instagram? What, what hacks can you give us there to improve? Oh man. Um, I've been, I've, been on so many calls with Instagram experts and all that. Jeez, oh man. So the thing that helps me out is there's two things I guess you could say is is I'm all about 80% of I try to be as creative and, and, and entertaining. Entertainment is the end all be all. People are trying to just do quotes and all that. You are not gonna separate yourself from the noise. You're not gonna show your brand. You're not gonna do what you really want to do. If you can entertain people with your lifestyle and your personality, now you're one step ahead of the game. The second part is have a way, and I know people out there are gonna be like, why the hell would you do this? Have a way to either have a team or have an automation set, set up where you could have a direct message sent to people who start to follow you. Now, there's different programs out there, and why is this important? Is because the automated message is gonna automate them getting into your pipeline. So if you follow me on Instagram, you're gonna get an automated message that says, hey, looks like you're an entrepreneur. And there's reasons why I know you're an entrepreneur because I have things that go out there and just crawl entrepreneur-based people, all right? Mm -hmm. So if you follow me, chances are you're an entrepreneur. But all, I'm not there just to show my lifestyle and be happy, that's it. I mean, I'm trying to grow my business because then I can help people. So mm -hmm. you'll get an automated message that says, hey, looks like you're an entrepreneur. Uh, if you're ever interested to write a book, um, just let me know, by the way, follow, connect with me on, on, uh, Facebook right here. So it's not go to my website and sign anything up. It's, it's getting into my Facebook pool now. So they might click, I'll say facebook.com forward slash the dream starter. That piece has right there has got me so many leads. All right. Mm -hmm. So 
connected from one trustworthy site, which is Instagram, to another trustworthy site, which is Facebook. And if you could do that and get them into your Facebook, now they're part of your like network. They'll see your lifestyle, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram, constantly, constantly, constantly. And then you, you I guess you seduce them long enough, I guess is the best way, with your lifestyle, with value. You give enough value. Here's tips. Here's what to do. Here's what not to do. And showcase the work that you've already done. So that's another piece. So I guess there's three. Sh showcase everything that you've done for people. Highlight your clients. Show your work because people are going to be drawn towards proven success. So I guess it would be those three items. If you do that, personality, entertainment, automated setup, and then uh, uh, what was the third one? Showcase your, your clients. Yeah, showcase with the clients, yes. Um, when you talk about entertainment, you talk, you talk in video or do you do that in the pictures? Do you do it in stories? How do you, or all of the above? Yeah, yeah so I didn't realize the power of stories uh, until probably six months ago. Stories are what's going to keep you relevant. Now you realize that anytime you watch a story, the algorithm is saying, wow, you just watched their story. Keep showing their content to this person. Mm -hmm. All right. So if you watch a story, if someone watches your story, that they're going to say, Hey, keep this magnet like, really strong. Keep them really close. So the, the more you put up there, which people don't realize the power. So it's kind of easier to win in this. The more you put in stories, the better the likelihood that they're going to see your content and engage with it. So Got stories it. are super important. And also the fact that you can, it's going to throw away. I mean, I put some stuff up there that I probably wouldn't put, you know, in my feed as right. some crazy stuff, but it's just to show a little bit about like, Hey, I'm at this event. I went to the impractical jokers event, you know, to, you ever watch that show? Yeah. So I went to an Impractical Jokers event. You know, I'm like, hey, here I am, blah, 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 doing all this stuff. It's going to be gone. You don't care about it. You're not really giving any value, but you're showcasing a lifestyle. You're entertaining people. They're watching it. And then the algorithm saying, hey, keep showing their posts. And that's magical. That's interesting. What, do you, what would you say is the, um, the long-term vision for you? What's the, what's the end goal? Do you have a... With the, uh, yeah, so I do have, um, if you look at everything I'm doing now, there's a zero to hero seminar documentary series that we're putting out. So it's really all about my end goal is uh, really how we help people bring their story to life, but also showcasing their stories to others to be like an inspiration and motivation for others. Oh, so cool. we're getting into documentaries now. So rather than just the book, now we're taking that and turning it into like a, like a show. Um, we're working with people like uh, Ken, Spree Ken Spreekman you ever heard of that name he's out in hollywood he has to do with like something like netflix but it's not netflix and we're trying to put together a, a show where it documents our clients and their their rise from zero to hero through incredible journey that's so cool man love that are you are you, are you familiar with uh there's a book called uh, king warrior magician lover no that's or warrior king whatever it's those let me write that, that down here what is it it's, I could be getting this out of order, but I think it's King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, mm. or, or Warrior, I don't know. It's those four. Uh, and the subhead is um, something like the four mature masculine archetypes. Mm. Okay. And it talks, it talks about the, the four different patterns of behavior that men typically fall, you know, men typically fall into one of those four different patterns of behavior. Um, I just was curious because one of the, the archetypes is the magician where it's, it's, all about transformation and purpose and you've just been saying a few things that made me believe that maybe that's that's uh, your archetype just oh like yeah uh, well that's the, that's another great part about being an entrepreneur you're always transforming you mean right. 
that's scary because you know social circles will change i mean the interest with watching tv and all i mean you, you change you're like oh my god i'm dating this girl but her friend is a complete psycho i know that the average of your network is who you are oh my god is she really like this person <laughs> so you start to think in a different way and it kind of scares you some parts but you do constantly transform and grow which is awesome yeah um how are we doing on time you good on time yeah i'm good i'm good okay. I, I love these type of questions i'm man. using i'm using uh zoom for the first time with you since you uh basically bullied me into it but it has <laughs> oh, no i idea. would not have done skype that's it whoever's <laughs> out there just turn off skype it's i can't see the clock oh there we go um all right so we're still good on time so uh give, give me one of your best marketing hacks outside of uh outside of the book Outside of the book, man, that is, uh, okay. I would say one of the greatest pieces is uh, elevating other people. So besides the book, um, the guy I'm just uh, interviewed, his name is Austin Godsey. Okay. Austin Godsey is this badass network marketing individual. Can you uh, shift your mic a little bit? It, I think it feels like it went a little. Oh, you okay? Yeah, that's, there we go. So let me get a little closer. I just interviewed a guy named Austin Godsey. Network marketing badass, 26 year old multimillionaire. Look him up. I mean, he's all over 190,000 followers. He taught me something about edifying people. Okay. Now, I knew I've been doing it, but I, there's actually a term out there. When you build people up, now you are part of someone who's built up to a certain point that makes you look bigger. Mm -hmm. So if it is a person who's in real estate and your work, well, I see real estate just like a go natural, like, Right. Give me, give me some other people you, 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 uh, that's listening. What, what's their occupation? What do you oh, think? Well, shoot, I deal with a lot of real estate guys too. So, okay. Uh, so real estate. <laughs> so, so you, you, you bring people up. And so when you're working with them on Facebook or Instagram, you're like, Hey, I'm doing a zoom call with one of the leading reps of this company, or you bring people up, you elevate them, which elevates you. You'll see the biggest names out there. They're doing this, you know, Hey, on stage, this is the greatest person in this sector, this industry, which makes them look more valuable. So um, um, a master technique is always elevate your own network. So that makes you look bigger and better. Mm. That's uh, that's really smart. It's a, it's a, it's a win-win proposition. It's exactly right. So you, it's not a bad thing. I mean, imagine being around someone who is always propping you up. Who doesn't want that? Right. And then the outside, Hey, this guy is always propping people up. I want to be a part of his or her network. Right. Right. feels good. <laughs> it does. I like, I like having that guy around. Yeah. yeah. Good. That, that's a lot of the science behind it. What was, uh, what was your zero? Zero. Uh, okay. So, uh, my zero, I mean, to me, I've realized I've talking talked to many people online. Zero is different from person to person. Sure. And so for me, I, uh, I worked to, like I told you about the side jobs to keep my business afloat, to pay off debt. I worked in a window company and a uh, big window company. I guarantee you've heard the name. I just can't say it because I guarantee they'll, they'll find me. And, uh, <laughs> but I worked for them and uh, I told them I want to go and do my own full-time entrepreneur stuff. So I can't be working as much. So they said, well, you really can't do that, but you're hundred percent commission. So you could really just not work as much. And so, okay, well then they started giving me shittier leads and all that. And so I couldn't stay afloat. Another company, a competitor of theirs came to me and said, listen, you can do anything entrepreneur wise. Just make sure you work this much time and close this much business for us. I said, beautiful. I'll go do it. A non-compete clause was broken at that moment. 
So there's this thing where, you know, you're familiar with this stuff probably, non-competes. Now this is a billion dollar company uh, against a billion, maybe a multi-million dollar company. And so what they said is, hey, we're gonna sue you if you continue to hire Mike Fallett. And so I said, listen, there's all this shit. Everybody else has left. You go from in this industry, the same. I mean, people have been doing it for years. Why are they going after me? All right, I'll take them to court. I took them to court, state court. My attorney said we had it won. We, they, they switched it from state court to federal court. So now I'm in federal court. I want a federal stand. I mean, this is big stuff. Yeah. Long story short, I, I lose. And so I'm there and I went from making $70,000 a year plus the side business. Now the side business is going to be dead, gone. Cause I can't keep, I can't keep paying it and funding it. The go, the business is done. I'm, I'm, I'm out. What do I have to do? So I had to take a job making $18,000 a year, but my expenses were about $25,000 a year. So I am dead broke and I'm going into severe debt. And that's when I dug hard with the business four and a half years ago. And I just freaking climb myself out of it. So I was in the negative. People are like, well, you're really in the negative. Yeah. But zero sounds cooler. So that was my zero. I mean, dead broke, had to move out of my apartment, didn't know what to do, taking, making $18,000 a year, barely staying like, you know, can't even eat. And so that was, that was, that's zero to me. And uh, life changed for the better afterwards. Yeah. Well, you had the, uh, w- w- the hustle. Where did you, where do you find, uh, I mean, obviously uh, being homeless gives you a little bit of a reason, a little bit of an incentive to, to get up and hustle, but where do you, well, I wasn't homeless. I I'll be honest. I wasn't homeless. I just had to leave my apartment and go to a house that was my rental property. Uh, and basically, you know, move into my rental place, which was an absolute mess (laughs) with with your tenants. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But it was a multi-unit. So there was an extra unit available. Gotcha. Uh, it's just that, uh, now you're living with your tenants and anybody out there do not, live with your tenants. Yeah. There, there's a book right there. So. <laughs> oh, there's definitely a book. <laughs> oh man. Um, where, where do you, uh, what was your relationship like with your dad? You mentioned that you had, uh, this other mentor, but, um, what was your yeah. family life like? Yeah. So my dad is a heating and air conditioning guy worked out at the airport for many years. Uh, this is what made me want to become an entrepreneur, probably seeing him being pissed off. I mean, he would always come home and tell me stories about how the person who got the job was like the son of a judge and uh, you know, just they treated people like shit and it's just a nightmare. Like you're just this number and he was always screwed over and everybody like the workers are like, man, I've been here for 35 years and there's someone who just came in off the street because the ju- the son of the judge gets the job and all this bureaucratic bullshit that I remember saying to myself, listen, this will never be me. He's a hard worker. He's a guy who could fix anything. He's just one of these blue collar like, Hey, let, let's fix it. So I got the resourcefulness from him. You know, if it, it could be fixed with duct tape and zip ties, God, we can keep it alive. We can keep it rolling. So that's my mentality growing up. I took that exact same resourcefulness from my dad and applied it to business. So everything is now all about resourcefulness. Okay. Well, I hired an assistant. Okay. So you can take care of this, this, and this. Oh, by the way, this video. Okay. I got to go on Fiverr. I'll, I'll get this video done this way. My video guy. Okay. You're going to do this, but I'll take care of this. And it's all about like problem solving and it's, and it's, it's the same mentality. I mean, you're, you're bootstrapping your way. Even when you're making money, like we're making really good money. We just broke $300,000 this year. You're still thinking, oh my God, I'm thinking so much bigger. To get to that next level, I have to be resourceful with yeah. every dollar. Yeah. And that's what my dad taught me. And my mom is a stay-at-home mom and and she uh, she taught me the compassion side. I saw people walk all over her. So it, it taught me the lesson 
I can't let that happen. Be a nice person, but if someone tries to screw you over, stand up for yourself and fight back. And yeah. uh, so that otherwise you're going to be, you know, constantly hurt. Start the steamrolled. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I, I'm always interested in that, in that dynamic and how that uh, impacts somebody and, and their drive and their ambition and, and who they are and how they came to be. It's, it's, it, to me, it's always a, it's an interesting side story. So well, it's, it's crazy to me. Like my brother is the complete opposite of a, of an entrepreneur. He wants the nine to five. He's a computer yeah. guy for a, a car dealership. Uh, you know, Bobby Ray home, Mercedes dealership. I mean, computer guy goes around, does his thing five o'clock. Doesn't want anything to do with anything. Me. Right. I just, I want to, I want to do crazy stuff. I want to, <laughs> fly anywhere do like you know meet the most interesting people talk to millionaires understand stuff total opposite same yeah. environment and it's amazing how that happens yeah isn't it i've got four uh other siblings and we're all we're similar in some ways for sure but we all have our own unique direction and paths and and even with my own kids do you have any kids no no kids yeah i, I have two kids and uh same thing like and just you know right out of the gate personality is very different and uh, yeah, it's fascinating how that just—it's like you, there's nothing you can do to change it, and and I believe you're. I mean, you're exposed. I grew up, and, and I'll tell you another thing. I grew up watching documentaries. I mean, I love Billy the Kid stuff, Evil Knievel stuff, Any, anything true story related. I'm in. My mom used to sit me down and watch The Burning Bed. You ever see this movie, The Burning Bed? No, what's that one about? So it's about a guy who beats his wife, and then she gets revenge and 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 kills him while she's. Eating. <laughs> sleeping and, i mean i'm three Your mom makes you watch that one. no no reading between the lines on that one <laughs> yeah so it's like hey watch this movie so don't you end up like this guy i mean she, so whatever it is i learned from the earliest stages to like love true i love movies and i love true movies more than have you seen now. uh when we were kings when we no oh you got it that might be my favorite movie of all time it's uh it's a muhammad ali story oh okay all right and it's uh, it's a documentary, um, dude. What's so fascinating about that guy is, you know, a lot of people obviously think of him as the quote unquote the greatest, right? And a boxer yeah. and all that kind of stuff. He was so much more than that. He was a politician. He was a uh, social advocate, of course. Um, he was a um, you, you talk. I talk about that book, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, and 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 those different archetypes are different uh, predominant gifts in people, right? So we talk about maybe you're that magician archetype that loves transformation and purpose. That's what I am too. I love that. I love helping people grow and, and, and achieve that, uh, achieve their dreams or whatever. The warrior archetype is all about fighting and, and conquering and overcoming obstacles, right? Which obviously Muhammad Ali did in the ring. Oh, um, yeah. He displayed the magician archetype all the time. And then the last one is the lover archetype, which is just like a connection to life and presence and, and humor and, uh, experience and to see him uh, go over to Africa to fight uh, George Foreman, who at the time was a freaking Manila. yes, and they and they the way that they story tell this and the way that they integrate the music at the time and the political uh, conflict and the pressure and his you know I'm not I'm not going to fight in the in the war and then of course the, and racism and. Oh my gosh, it's an incredible story. And the way that it's told is just, it's brilliant. You could see, dude, that guy was, he was a king. He was on another level. Well, seeing stuff like that, that's what 
it's kind of like, I guess, spawned this, this whole idea with the, even the documentaries, maybe the book, but true stories can really affect people in, in, in ways that non or that ways fiction can't, you know? So that right there, listening to what he went through, watching it on screen, it does something to the human brain. And I think that that gives, gives something to people who are looking for either answers or motivation to try things on their own. hundred percent. I mean, it's zero to hero is really what it is. Do you know, uh, do you know, Joseph Campbell, have you read his work? Joseph Campbell? Yeah, he talks about the the. Um, uh, you give me all this new stuff. I love it. Uh, the hero's journey, the concept of the hero's journey. Oh, dude, you have to read. Uh, it's a little bit of a a technical read. I haven't even read it, you know, word for word all the way through. Um, a hero with a thousand faces. Um, he 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 came up with the concept of this idea of the hero's journey, which is like a story arc. And all of the, all of the um, predominant stories in our lifetime, really, if you look at Hollywood, if you look at religious stories, if you look at um, this, this hero's arc that goes from here's this, here's this hero that's in this, you know, normal land, he's going about his life. And then there's this call to action and he's thrown into this whirlwind, this other world, and there's inner conflict and there's outer conflict. And then there's, you know, the climax and, and does he push through? And then he, he becomes the hero and then it's a return back to his normal world. But of course he's returning as a completely transformed individual. And that story arc you see in, you see it everywhere. You watch, you know, Braveheart, Gladiator. Uh, it's in, but not just in those warrior type movies. It's, it's in uh, other movies, other stories, whatever. It's a fascinating book. You definitely should uh, check that out. Well, I just read a book recently and I wish I can remember the name because I just fly through these, but um, there's a book out there and, you know, I put out Zero to Hero and somebody goes, dude, check this book out. You're doing the, everything this book is telling people to do. Huh. And it's, it's talking about how you as the business, you're the entrepreneur, whatever you do, <laughs> your goal should be turning people into their own heroes. Yep. You yep. know, so, so there's that. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm well, holy smokes, there's every book or every movie does that. It, you know, they put you into that, that part of the main role and you're like, that's exactly how I want to be, you know, Rocky Balboa, come yep. on. Well, they've, they've even done like brain scans of people um, watching movies and the parts of the brain that become active and the neuro connections that become active are literally the exact, your, your brain is functioning in the exact same way that somebody else, does. like if you're watching Rocky and, and the adrenaline rush, you're chemically and physically, physiologically experiencing the very same thing that somebody does in that actual activity. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Well, uh, we just talked about it before the interview started, but Jordan Peterson talks about something in, with his interview with Seth Rogen. Hmm. And he says the earliest story that we're told, probably dating back to thousands of years, is the hero fighting the dragon to get the woman. All right. Yep. And yep. if that's in our DNA, what is that really trying to say? That basically everyone wants to be the person who defeats the much bigger, powerful, scarier thing yep. to get the you know, what he or she wants. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's certainly the masculine journey for sure. Yeah. Right? There's another book, uh, wild at heart. It's a, it's a religious book, but there's a lot of really great concepts in there where he talks about inside every man is, uh, uh, what is it? A, um, a, a beauty to rescue an adventure to be had and a, a dragon to conquer or something like that. But it's, it's definitely the, the masculine experience, right? That's it. Yeah, maybe it's just that we're taught that early on and it stays with us or it's just been in us the whole time that, you know, that's what we're supposed to do is conquer the, the, the dark forces or whatever and, and, and just feel what it's like to be, 
you know, the one, the hero. And I guess that that's, there's something in that. So um, if your brand, your business can do that, whether it's, you know, going back to real estate, if you can make someone feel good enough to be like, Hey, you lived your dream. Here's your dream house. There's something to that, that makes them feel better. That's going to make your brand much bigger. Yep. hundred percent. That, that um, emotional component. I was just talking with another friend of mine, how real marketing, what people are really selling. If you really follow the breadcrumbs, it's not the product that you are selling. It's not the service that you're selling. It's the identity and the emotion that your product or service ultimately delivers. That's what people are really wanting. They want a new identity. They want a new feeling. They want a new experience, a new emotion. And story is a vehicle to, to drive that home. Um, you know, back in, uh, do you remember, what was it, 2003 or 2004 when that tsunami hit? Um, like, I think it was on Christmas Day over in, in Asia or whatever. And, and do you remember this? And it like, uh, I remember hearing about it. I don't know much about it, though. It, it, it took out literally hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, it was devastating. Um, but there was this island out in the middle of nowhere and this tiny little island, which you would have thought would have just gotten ransacked with this tidal wave. Everybody on the island survived. And I was curious about that. So I looked into it and I found out that what had happened was over the course of generations to generation to generation, they would tell stories about a tsunami that hit like a hundred years ago and the story had been passed down and uh, to the point where it just was part of the folklore of the, of the town. So when they saw the ocean recede, they realized, Oh, when the, when the water goes back, you got to seek high ground. Everybody was safe. And it occurred to me that story has, um, it's more than just interesting or entertaining, whatever. It's a survival mechanism oh, before, yeah. before we had, uh, you know, books or whatever, you know, we did cave drawings or whatever, but there was, it, it occurred to me that story is the vehicle to, to pass along emotion. It is a vehicle for emotion. Because if I just said, if you just said from, from generation to generation, hey, when the water goes back, you got to seek high ground. Eh, there's no feeling. Good. There's no emotion to it. Years ago, the storm <laughs> came and it, you know, now you're putting yourself yeah. in that part. Now the, the, the neurons or whatever are firing like, oh my God, yep. this is important to me to stay alive. Yep that's what happened to them. I'll remember this. Yes. So, uh, let's, let's wrap this up, but why don't we see if we can wrap it up in a, in a nice little neat little bow here. <laughs> yeah. What is some, uh, what are some pieces of advice that you give us to, to tell a great story? What are the components of a really great story in your mind? Greatest, great parts are authenticity. I mean, it's an easy answer, transparency, you know, and I, just to, to sum up a little bit about, I wanted to say before is that, you know, you who is telling the story is like the mentor. You're the, you have to be some type of a mentor. Like if you think of back to the future, you think of, uh, you know, Doc Brown being the mentor for, for Marty. You think of uh, Rocky Balboa, Mickey's the mentor teaching these yeah. people the ways. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, right. I mean, that's a magical piece of the story is that the guide, all right, the mentor or the guide, you are the guide. And as a guide, you should be the one that's basically keeps people safe, you're the one that has to tell the stories of the dark times and the good times. And then also have some type of a takeaway. So I talk about that all the time. Every book or lesson, chapter, whatever needs to have a takeaway. Because if you're not giving any value and there's no like next step, then you don't add any value to the person's life. So think about before you tell a story, what's the main message to the, 
what, what, what's, what are they going to do with this story that I'm going to tell them? So start with there. You're the guide. Remember that and, and keep them safe throughout the whole thing and, and make sure that, uh, that you don't leave details out about your life that are important for them to gain that trust from you. So people are like, man, I went through holy smokes to that situation. I can't talk about that. No, that's the goal. That's what makes people look at you as a human being. So if yeah. you tell it in a transparent, authentic way and, and put in stuff that you feel like you should leave out, that's what makes people fall in love with you. Oh, that's great, great advice. I, I would uh, add to that because I've seen this happen and I'm sure you probably get this on a daily basis where people just want to talk about themselves and just want to talk about their experience without adding on to the, the, the compelling reason why I'm telling you this in the first place. What's the value? People... <laughs> People tend to just want to just share their story for a, for a need of significance or approval as opposed to, hey, this happened to me. This is the, what's the value in it. Here was the transition and here's the lesson learned so that there's value transferred in the, in the actual content of the book. Yeah. yeah. So and I, what you said there is perfect, is, but it's, people think it's the, it's the lesson that's the most important. It's actually the story behind the lesson that's right. actually the goal to a book. That anchors it. That, that anchors it. That, that gives it life. And if you just go in and give lessons, uh, yesterday I interviewed uh, Austin Godsey, okay? And he talks about real quick, yeah, I got out of jail and that's when I got into network marketing. Okay, that jail part is what's going to connect you with thousands of people. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. He goes, really? Should I put that in? And I'm like, yes, here's why. You <laughs> yeah. are different than everyone else by yeah. saying that. And what yeah. makes you different is what makes you stand out. Be different. Uh, in, in Nick Santana's status on his book, he always says like uh, – on his arm, he's a tattoo. It says, uh, you laugh at me because I'm different. I laugh at you because you're all the same. Mm. And the people who get attention in this world are the ones who are different and who are not afraid to show what maybe scars they have. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Fascinating conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for a long time. Um, Thank you very much, man. So uh, real quick, where should people go if they want to find out more about you, what you have to offer? And Dreamstarterspublishing.com. Check it out or go on Instagram, The Dreamstarter. And uh, two, two, easy, two easiest ways. Uh, Excellent. Mike Fallett. Thank you, brother. Hey, I appreciate it, man. And now that you're a Zoom guy, you're my friend. So that's cool. <laughs> awesome. I feel special. Thanks for, thanks for propping me up. Yes. yes. I, I edified you. Yes. Yeah. He's the man. This guy right here. Peter King. The man. No, 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 no. Mike Fallett. You're the man. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, sir, are the man. See, you're learning. Yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. Have a good one. Thanks, man.